Hi everyone and welcome to this podcast following the recent publication of an article in the Australian Diabetes Educator in June 2017. My name's Jan Orford and I'll be your host today. I would like to introduce Kerry Viney who was the author of this article. Kerry was a registered nurse and has additional public health qualifications and a PhD in public health. She has worked on tuberculosis or TB management in several settings in Asia Pacific and Europe for the past 10 years. Currently, she is a public health researcher at Australian National University and the Karolinska Institute in Sweden. She has a special interest in all aspects of TB management, including risk factors for TB and the association between TB and diabetes mellitus, which is particularly important in the Asia Pacific context and was the subject of her PhD. She continues to undertake research on this association between TB and diabetes. So hello Kerry and how are you today and welcome. Thanks Jan, I'm fine thank you and I'm really happy to be speaking to you today on this topic, thanks. Okay, so in this podcast we're going to be discussing the association between diabetes and TB and it's well documented that people with diabetes would seem to be more likely to develop TB compared to people without diabetes. And some articles even cite that people with diabetes are three times more likely to develop TB than people without diabetes. So I guess my question would be, is this association understood and what are the risk factors for developing TB? Mm, thanks, Jan. Um, well, yes, it's right in, in what you say, that people with diabetes are three times more likely to develop TB when compared to people without diabetes. And there's also some additional research that says that people who have higher blood sugar levels who have diabetes, for them the risk is actually higher than someone with diabetes who has stable or lower blood sugar levels. Now, you asked about um, is the association understood? Well, the exact mechanism is not that well understood, but it's the topic of a lot of research. But we think that people with diabetes have a degree, a slight degree of immunosuppression. And some researchers think that impaired macrophage function in the lungs is one reason why people with diabetes are more at risk for developing TB. So that's, that's one reason. Regarding um, your question about other risk factors for TB, there are a number of sort of biological and also social risk factors for TB. So some of these are just risk factors for being exposed to TB. So TB is transmitted um, as an airborne infection like measles. So some of the risk factors are related to just, you know, a higher likelihood of being exposed. And then once a person is exposed, there are other risk factors for that exposure going on to develop disease, so active TB disease. So of course, if you're from a country where there's a very high background incidence of TB, then you might have a higher chance of being exposed or infected, and I think that's um, a fairly logical association. And then generally speaking, people may be more at risk if they've had recent contact with an infectious case of TB. Other risk factors include age, so the very young and the very old. HIV infection, of course, a very well-known association between HIV infection and TB. Silicosis, so a lung disease caused by exposure to silica dust in gold mines. Alcohol abuse, malnutrition, cigarette smoking, receiving an immunosuppressive therapy such as chemotherapy, 
And then on top of those risk factors, there are a range of social risk factors for TB, such as homelessness, poverty, etc. So scientists think that of those who actually breathe in the TB bacteria, so those who are exposed, about 10 to 15% will develop active TB at some point in their lifetime. Although, of course, this risk is heightened if you belong in one of those biological or social risk factor groups mentioned above. So another issue regarding the association between TB and diabetes is that the risk for developing TB um, if you have diabetes, it seems to be quite different depending on the context. This is not well understood either, but it's likely for a person with diabetes from a higher TB incidence country with poor access to healthcare services will have a higher risk of developing TB if they were compared to someone perhaps from a lower TB incidence country or someone who has better access to healthcare services. So we're still working out um, some of the mechanisms um, for this association between TB and diabetes. Thanks for that. Um, throughout the article that I referred to earlier, you use various descriptors to describe the status of TB. And some of the terms used include latent, active, culture confirmed, pulmonary and extra pulmonary. I was wondering if you could please help us to better understand what these terms mean and what sort of testing are we likely to see in practice? Mm, sure. Yeah, so when people talk about TB, they often talk about latent TB infection or TB disease, sometimes called active TB. They're two different things. So latent TB infection is a latent or dormant form of TB. There's no active disease, but it means that at some point that person has breathed in the TB bacteria, so they've been exposed. And we just need to remember that this is an airborne disease like measles, so people can breathe it in and perhaps not know that they've breathed in TB. Now, the people with latent TB infection have some sort of demonstrated immunological response. Um, so they might have a tuberculin skin test or a MAN2 test or another blood test called an interferon gamma release assay. And these are just tests that indicate that someone's been exposed, but they're, they're healthy. They don't have disease. They don't have any pathology caused by TB. Um, and they don't pose a risk, importantly, to anyone else. Now, for those people, there are some forms of preventive therapy and antibiotic that can be taken to decrease the likelihood that that latent TB infection will go on to progress to active TB disease. Now, when we talk about active TB or TB disease, we usually are referring to someone who actually has a disease or pathology from TB evidenced by a diagnostic test or a clinician's diagnosis. So these people obviously need to be treated with a course of antibiotics, which usually takes six months or sometimes longer. Um, when we talk about pulmonary or extrapulmonary, that's just referring to the bodily site of disease for those with active TB disease. So whether it's in the lungs, referring to pulmonary or perhaps another bodily site. And TB can affect most bodily sites actually. So it's most commonly a pulmonary disease and we think of it as a pulmonary disease, but it can affect the bones, the meninges, the intestines or other organs. Um, now you asked about diagnostic tests. Um, so they depend a little bit on the bodily site that is affected, but certainly for people with pulmonary TB, which is um, a common form of TB, it's usually diagnosed by providing a sputum sample. And at least in the Australian context, context that would be tested using microscopy uh, or a molecular test and usually culture. And then if TB is identified on culture, it's called culture confirmed TB. And there are some molecular tests for drug resistance as well, which are used quite commonly in Australia. And certainly they would be used for someone who might be suspected of having drug resistant TB. 
Thanks for that. So what are the signs and symptoms for somebody who develops TB and, and what does treatment entail? Yeah, so, so the signs and symptoms may depend on the side affected, but um, they will include uh, symptoms such as prolonged cough, so usually lasting more than two to three weeks, coughing up blood or hemoptysis, um, unexplained weight loss that's not explained by, by something else, uh, fever, night sweats and fatigue. And of course, if a different bodily site is affected, there may be localised symptoms such as um, pain or loss of function for bony TB. Now, the treatment is a course of antibiotics um, and it usually lasts for six months, although if you have drug-resistant TB, it can last for up to 24 months. And it's usually four antibiotics to start with, which are tapered off over the six months. Researchers are looking at, as I mentioned, for drug-resistant TB, it can be up to 24 months of treatment. Um, and researchers are investigating shorter treatments and there is a shorter treatment available for some patients with drug-resistant TB. But at the moment, um, you know, it's six months for drug-sensitive TB and 24 months for drug-resistant TB. Okay. Now, I'm presuming the prevalence of TB is different in different countries. So is TB common here in Australia? And are there certain communities here who are at higher risk of, of developing or having TB? Mm. Um, yeah, so in Australia, we have a very low incidence of TB and we're classified as a low TB incidence country when we're compared to other countries globally. So we report about 1,300 cases of TB each year, of which about 85% are in people born overseas. So many of those people will, of course, come from countries with a much higher incidence of TB than ours. So they've just had a higher chance of being exposed. Um, we're currently also doing some work. We're doing a national TB survey to determine who might be most at risk of developing TB so that we can better target some of these preventive therapies. So in the next year or so, we hope to have better information on TB risk in the Australian population, and hopefully we can better target prevention to those people. So I guess the, the question for, for our clientele is, what can a person with diabetes do to reduce their risk of developing TB? Yeah, so in, in Australia, we know there's been one study looking at the association between TB and diabetes, and we know that in the Australian context, the risk is not three times, it's about 1.5 times, unless someone's taking insulin, it's a bit higher. So they may not be at high risk um, because the background incidence of TB is low. Therefore, the chance of actually being exposed to the TB bacteria is not high. However, there's always um, people with diabetes in Australia who perhaps go back and forth to their countries of origin, perhaps where TB rates are higher. And these people may have a slightly higher risk and as we know from the one Australian study, people on insulin have a slightly higher risk, although we don't have a lot of data on the Australian situation. So for most people with diabetes, I think they don't need to worry unless they know they've been exposed and obviously keeping themselves healthy, trying to keep their blood sugars at an optimal level. Um, they're, they're the important things, the regular things that people do to try and manage their diabetes and to stay healthy themselves. Um, however, for someone who might know that they've been exposed to a person with infectious TB, that they should really talk to their diabetes nurse or their general practitioner about the risks, and they could certainly link them in with the, the TB service in their state or territory. So I think maintaining just a generally healthy lifestyle and maintaining those blood sugars at optimal levels is, is the right thing to do. Thanks for that. 
So are there any screening guidelines for TB? And if so, what are they? And are there any specific to diabetes? Mm, yeah, that's a good question, Jan. So um, in each state and territory of Australia, there are dedicated TB services and screening guidelines for TB, particularly for people who have been in contact with someone with infectious TB. So they're usually called contact tracing policies, and I'm sure some people will be familiar with those. There's also a National TB Advisory Committee who have a number of guidelines available online, and they have developed and published recent guidelines on latent TB infection, for example, and they have a national guideline on the management of TB. Um, in the Australian context, there are none that are specific um, to for TB and people with diabetes, as we are a very low TB incidence country, and it's not thought that people with diabetes are at very high risk in Australia of developing TB. However, at the global level, there is a document called the Collaborative Framework for Care and Control of Tuberculosis and Diabetes, and that contains some recommendations for what we call bi-directional screening for people with TB and diabetes. So screening persons with diabetes for TB and vice versa. So that's, a, that's an international guideline and a bit more tailored to countries where there's a high incidence of TB. Okay, thank you so much, Kerry, for your time today. Um, that, that's all, actually all the questions I have for you. But before we conclude the conversation, I wonder if, there, if you've got three take-home messages for our listeners. Mm. Yeah, thanks, Jan. That's been a pleasure talking to you. Well, I, th I think the three key messages would be that globally there is an association between TB and diabetes. The risk is a bit lower in Australia as we are a low TB incidence country. So that would be message number one. I think message number two would be that people with diabetes should focus on the things that they do regularly, staying healthy, keeping their blood sugars within an optimal range. And the third thing I would say is that if there has been TB contact, if the person with diabetes knows they've been in contact with someone with TB, then they should speak to their diabetes nurse or general practitioner who can get in contact with the TB services um, for advice about screening. So I think that would be my three key messages. Great. Thanks, Kerry, once again for your time. It's really been great to talk to you. And I'm sure that this podcast has been helpful to our listeners. And thank you to the, list, the members for taking the time to listen to this podcast. And if you haven't already done so, please take the time and head to the Australian Diabetes Educators website at ade.adea.com.au and take a look at Kerry's article entitled Diabetes and Tuberculosis. Until next time, goodbye and thank you. Thank you.